It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now, Gary Hayes is definitely a Chelsea fan. And we're going to get Gary's perspective, his opinions on what's really going on at Chelsea right now. Did Mourinho make a mistake by not beefing up the squad the way everybody else in the league seemingly did in the offseason? And is there anyone else due to come in before the transfer window closes? What's the deal with John Terry? Whose wife is he shagging now? Why is he being taken off at halftime? 3-0 loss to Manchester City. What's going on with Ava? What's going on with the kit man, the new training staff? Who's Mourinho going to blame next? Oh, it is so much fun. Chelsea, just the gift that keeps on giving early on in this Premier League campaign. Cannot wait to get this conversation going with Gary Hayes. And we'll try to be, for all you Chelsea fans out there, we'll try to be solutions-oriented here in this edition of World Soccer Talk Radio. We'll try to solve the problems at Stamford Bridge and see what we can do to help the Blues moving forward. Nate Avarea with Gary Hayes on the other side of this break. It's World Soccer Talk Radio, Sports Byland, Broadcasting Network. Don't go anywhere. See the world's best matches live wherever you are with Fox Soccer to go. Watch select live matches on your smartphone, on your tablet, and on your computer. Get the app, get the games, and get your fix. Live soccer and more. Anytime, anywhere. Sign up to watch the Bundesliga and Champions League at SoccerOnDish.com. Are you sick and tired of cable and satellite prices going up and up and up? If you're a sports fan like me, one of the main reasons you're keeping your TV subscription is to watch ESPN. But did you know that you can cut the cord, cancel your TV subscription, and watch ESPN live and legally on your computer, tablet, Roku, or phone and save a ton of money? With a subscription to Sling TV, you can watch all the ESPN, ESPN2, TNT, TBS, and AMC that you want. Plus, you also get the SEC Network, ESPN Bases Loaded, ESPN Buzzer Beater, Univision, and much more. From Sports Center to Hoops, Sling TV has got the best in live sports action and commentary. And today, you can get a free seven-day trial to Sling TV just by going to slingmytv.com. Again, to get a seven-day free trial to Sling TV, go to slingmytv.com today. That's slingmytv.com. 
If you're a soccer fan and you want to cut the cord and watch more of the beautiful game, NGSN may be the online streaming service you're looking for. FreeSoccerTrial.com. With NGSN, you get live, legal, and on-demand access to matches from the Eredivisie, J League from Japan, K League from Korea, Argentina's Primera Division, Portugal, Ecuador, Russian Premier League. As well as leagues from Bolivia, Venezuela, and more. The games are in HD, and commentaries are available in your choice of English or Spanish. And this is a completely new and legal way to watch soccer games in the U.S. Try it, and I think you'll be impressed. All you have to do is go to freesoccertrial.com and sign up today for your free 30-day trial to NGSN. Again, that's freesoccertrial.com. Freesoccertrial.com. Cheers. You're getting very sleepy. Sleepy. You're no longer afraid of bunnies. Bunnies. You'll join my rewards program. I'll join your. Re- Wait, what? Fifty percent off your fifth session. Huh? Focus on the value. Value. How about a rewards program you'll actually use every day? Finally, there's Plenty. Earn points at one place and use them at another. Sign up today at PlentyWithanI.com for access to offers worth over a hundred dollars in savings. There's Plenty together. Terms and conditions apply. World Soccer Talk Radio is back here with you on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Nate Abarea here with you. Thanks for subscribing to us on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, all that good stuff. WorldSoccerTalk.com, Twitter, at NateWSD, and at World Soccer Talk. Gary Hayes, the lead Chelsea correspondent for the Bleacher Report, and a man you've heard recently on Rabble.tv. He is our guest here in this edition of World Soccer Talk Radio, and we're talking all about the blues and this little bit of panic setting in at Stamford Bridge early on in this Premier League season. Gary, thank you so much for coming on. How you doing, sir? Yeah, uh, a lot better than Chelsea. <laughs> Boy, let, let's get right into this thing. We we talked all about the three nil loss to Man City uh, in in yesterday's show, and what a lot of people are are talking about, and a common question that's being raised is. How much of the blame for that loss should go to Jose Mourinho? Um, not so much, really. I think if you look at Chelsea at the moment, they're they're struggling for the fact that the players aren't fit, and they they started pre-season a couple of weeks later than some of their rivals. When you saw in the Community Shield game against Arsenal, you could see that they were a couple of weeks behind them, just in in terms of match fitness and being match sharp. And it's difficult to point the finger at the players and the manager, I think, because they got caught up in a lot of commercial activities at the end of last season where they have to go on a, a pre-season tour to Australia and then obviously going to America where they were you know, trying to pick up where they where they left off, if you like. And I think this is caught up with them. So I think you know that, that pre-season, uh, sorry, the post-season tour last year you know, meant that they... Uh, uh, Eight into the players' summer, and then, you know they got a full month off, which they they gave them so that you know they're trying to play the long game in terms of them lasting their campaign. I think that's just catching up from now, which is what we're seeing. You know, if you see the Man City game, they, they looked a better team anyway. But I think if you looked at the individual performances, you know the second balls always managed the City players getting their first, and they've seen kind of springing the step. Whereas I think Chelsea, 
mentally as well. I know they're a couple of weeks behind teams like that. So, you know, it's fine margins in the Premier League anyway. So when you've got a team that's fully fit against a team that isn't, you're going to get what you have, you know, what happened on Sunday. Well, Gary, you, you point something out that's also important, and that is this pre-season, I don't know whether to call it a controversy or just kind of some, some weirdness, because what I want to know, and you're, you're so much more on the pulse of, of Chelsea Football Club than, than yours truly, and so what, what I... I want to kind of gain some perspective on is who does take the blame for whether it was poor scheduling or just too many conflicting events going on because the preseason was clearly a problem and they seem, you know, behind the eight ball. They, they seem like they're, they're, they're behind the rest of, of their peers, the rest of the teams that they're supposed to be competing with. Who takes the blame for that? I think it's a collective blame. I don't, I don't think there's any one person you can point the finger at. I think, Collectively, the clubs, the clubs perhaps let it down in a way, you know, let itself down in a way. But I think it's just a sign of the times, you know, the Premier League especially, you know, buys into this whole idea of you know, football being a global game now. And you know, just as much as the fans in in the UK have a say in in what happens around the club, you know, fans abroad are getting you know more of a powerful voice, more of a bigger voice, and you know, they want to see the players, you know, get going to play in their stadiums as well. And there was talk of the the 39th game, you know, five or six years ago, which got you know thrown out the window just as quickly as it as it was raised. And I think you know that that's there trying to placate the fans abroad because they know you know the Premier League knows it's got a you know global brand that everyone's buying into. So Chelsea are trying to service that. You know, I think if you look at it, the, the stadium's not the biggest, so they've got to try making money elsewhere. You know, they're they're getting good shirt sponsorship deals now and endorsements elsewhere around the club, but they still need to generate that money in order to pay the players and, you know, in order to sign the players that the fans want to see. So they've got to go to, you know, Malaysia, Australia and, you know, America, you know, they've got to take the club on tour. It's just a case of being able to, you know, to juggle it up a little bit. You know, you didn't see Manchester United doing it because, for one, they weren't the Premier League champions and two, they, they don't need to, to do a post-season tour, but, I think for Chelsea, you know, it's in their interest. They're trying to compete with, you know, the bigger teams that have got bigger stadiums where they can, you know, match their revenue alone. They can, you know, outdo Chelsea. So the, the clubs look in other areas where they can, can sweat the asset, if you well, like. Well, no, no, Gary, yeah, I... Gary, I hear what you're saying, but I got to play devil's advocate here for just a second because Manchester City uh, is a club that actually came to to play matches against Toronto back as kind of a a postseason tour of sorts. And you look at what Manchester United and and even Liverpool did in the preseason, traveling all around the world, and and they've started with with they've had fantastic starts uh, to their Premier League campaign. So let's try to be you know solution oriented here. How does Chelsea pick up the Lack because it seems as if other teams were were involved, maybe not as much as as you rightfully point out there, but other teams were were quite involved with world travel and and international friendlies and and that type of stuff. So where, where does Chelsea go from here to make up for this this supposed lost ground? Oh yeah, no, I think I think what it is for Chelsea is just that that postseason tour, which what what's that, what that meant is that the players were. We're on tour for ten days after the end of the season, which meant they Mourinho wanted to give them a month off. You know, if, if you didn't give them the full month, and they came back at the same time as as Arsenal, Manchester City, and, and the rest of them, it would have meant Chelsea starting training two weeks after they just finished. So it's a case of you know he's have to give them the the month off to ensure that the players are getting the rest. So you know it's a case of them trying to to manage it around the new season. But you know I totally agree, it's far from ideal. 
And I think you look at it now and you can see what's happening to Chelsea. That I don't think they're going to be they're going to be making the same mistakes again because you know in Mourinho's press conference on Friday, you know after all the the uh, hyperbole around the the medical situation, we actually got down to talking about football. You know he was striking me. He was saying you know that he's not expecting his Chelsea players to be in their prime position, you know in their peak peak condition until the end of August. It's almost like they've written August off because you know they're, they're still in pre-season mode. And the way they've, uh, you know, according to Mourinho, what he said on Friday is that they've scheduled their whole pre-season with August in mind because they know they're only playing four games. So, you know, they've approached it where it's Monday to Friday training, not other in pre-season. And then Saturday or Sunday, as it was against Manchester City, you know, game day and, you know, they're back in the Premier League, as it were. So it's, it's a difficult one. And this one they've got to sort out very quick. If they don't, they're going to be left behind and uh, the title race is going to be over for them. Well, what's... Talk a, a little bit about that, that medical staff situation, or some would call it a, a debacle a little bit later uh, in, in the show. But in the uh, under two minutes before we got to head to break, one thing I want to ask you, and this relates to the you know being behind schedule a little bit or, or the, the fitness concerns of this team, are you at all worried as a, a Chelsea supporter and someone who's close to this club uh, about what some people like to call glass house syndrome and when you look at them depending on on Costa and, and Falcao and others to to be the goal scorers you worried about the 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 injury uh, factors this season for this team more than ever yeah well in terms of injuries the big concern for Chelsea is that they've got three strikers who are all injury prone you've got Diego Costa couldn't keep fit last season because of his hamstring and you know, like Remy, just as Costa got injured and Remy came in and started scoring goals and it looked like he was going to do the, the job of the ideal backup and then suddenly he got injured. And I think if you look at Falcao's record in the last months to two years, you know, he's been on the sidelines for much of it. I think he's struggling with the fact that he's not getting over that knee injury anytime soon and that's really affected these, you know, that dynamic approach that he had to the game and, it's a big concern. I think if you look at Chelsea, they're thin on bodies, you know, all across this squad. Uh, they've got five defenders, you know, for four positions. Well, sorry, six now with, with Rahman coming in. But I think still now for a manager like Mourinho, who prides himself on having two players for every position, you know, Chelsea are just, you know, dramatically short on, on, on players. And I think when you, you take away that first 11, if they do start getting injuries, like we saw on Sunday, Oscar was out injured and they brought Ramirez in. I know he scored a goal that you know really should have been given because he wasn't offside, but he's still not that dynamic player that Chelsea need in that area, and he, he's far from the Ramirez of, of 2012 when he had a you know amazing campaign when Chelsea won the Champions League. So they're missing that step, and if, if players start big, getting you know picking up injuries and. Yeah, especially up front, um, they're, they're really, really going to suffer. Well, Gary, you talk about them being thin on bodies. We talk about injury concerns, and there's not necessarily enough depth or strength and depth in this Chelsea squad. And what I want to know, and we'll talk about this on the other side of the break, is did Jose Mourinho overestimate the quality of this team moving into a potential title defense campaign? We'll talk about that after this right here on World Soccer Talk Radio. Stay with us. Gary Hayes, Chelsea correspondent for the Bleacher Report, is with us right here on World Soccer Talk Radio. Stay tuned. Soccer to go. Watch select live matches on your smartphone, on your tablet, and on your computer. Get the app 
get the games and get your fix. Live soccer and more. Anytime, anywhere. Sign up to watch the Bundesliga and Champions League at SoccerOnDish.com. Are you sick and tired of cable and satellite prices going up and up and up? If you're a sports fan like me, one of the main reasons you're keeping your TV subscription is to watch ESPN. But did you know that you can cut the cord, cancel your TV subscription, and watch ESPN live and legally on your computer, tablet, Roku, or phone and save a ton of money? With a subscription to Sling TV, you can watch all the ESPN, ESPN2, TNT, TBS, and AMC that you want. Plus, you also get the SEC Network, ESPN Bases Loaded, ESPN Buzzer Beater, Univision, and much more. From Sports Center to Hoops, Sling TV has got the best in live sports action and commentary. And today you can get a free seven-day trial to Sling TV just by going to SlingMyTV.com. Again, to get a seven-day free trial to Sling TV, go to SlingMyTV.com today. That's SlingMyTV.com. If you're a soccer fan and you want to cut the cord and watch more of the beautiful game, NGSN may be the online streaming service you're looking for. FreeSoccerTrial.com With NGSN, you get live, legal, and on-demand access to matches from the Eredivisie, J-League from Japan, K-League from Korea, Argentina's Primera Division, Portugal, Ecuador, Russian Premier League, as well as leagues from Bolivia, Venezuela, and more. The games are in HD, and commentaries are available in your choice of English or Spanish. And this is a completely new and legal way to watch soccer games in the U.S. Try it, and I think you'll be impressed. All you have to do is go to freesoccertrial.com and sign up today for your free 30-day trial to NGSN. Again, that's freesoccertrial.com. Freesoccertrial.com. Cheers. Geico applauds your inner road name. A slow clap goes out to your biker alter ego. You might be mild-mannered Michael in the office, the guy known for raising his hand in meetings, but out on the open road, it's Motor Mike. Geico supports you and your bike, Motor Mike, because beyond cars, Geico insures motorcycles, those glorious room room machines. With 24-7 customer service and great rates, the only thing you'll be raising from now on is a heck of a good time. So head out on the highway and make that road yours, Mike. Make it yours. Geico Motorcycle. See how much you could save. World Soccer Talk Radio, back here with you on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. I am your host, Nate Abarea, joined in this edition of World Soccer Talk Radio by Gary Hayes, lead Chelsea correspondent for Bleacher Report. We left the last segment talking about Jose Mourinho's maybe overestimation of the quality of the Chelsea team moving in to this Premier League campaign. Now, I want to make it abundantly clear before we, we really delve deep into this, and this is for, for you, Gary, as well as all the listeners out there. You're talking about one of the most dominant title-winning teams. Some people say it was a down year in the Premier League last year. It doesn't take anything away from just how dominant Chelsea were all season long. Now, with that being said, 
When you look at what all these other clubs that they're directly competing with, the likes of of Manchester United, Arsenal, Manchester City, even the, the ones maybe a rung below that in, in Liverpool and, and Tottenham and, and a couple other clubs, you look at what all these teams were doing during the offseason, it kept kind of blowing me away seeing the lack of transfer activity from Chelsea, which brings us back to, to kind of the overall question here. Gary, and that is, did Jose Mourinho, you know, act too pompous in, in overestimating the, the quality of this Chelsea side? And, and we talk all about the, the, the lack of strength and depth. Why didn't Jose go out and, and simply buy more players and, and get more backup for his team or, or bring in more new blood? Why do you think it, it went the way it did? I think the I think, I think the key to understanding that is that Mourinho doesn't have the total control of the transfers at Chelsea. And um, you know, what, what we saw over the summer was away from the pitch. Rather than talking about transfers at Chelsea, we were talking about a, a new £500 million stadium. And to play for that £500 million stadium, Chelsea have got to really rein, rein the purse strings in. And you know, they've got to balance the books and they've got to you know, come up with a new, a new way of... You know, bringing young players in in order to, you know, to, to make it financially viable. I think Roman Abramovich is, you know, he's ploughed over a billion pounds into that club. And I don't think he's, he's at a point now where he wants to continue, you know, just buying titles. I think he wants to be watching the club grow, you know, together. They, they had a plan where he came in and, you know, what we need to understand as well, is, you know, when Abramovich came in, Chelsea were still winning things. They were still a big club, but they weren't, at the scale they are now. So Abramovich sped up the whole process over the last decade. And now I think you see there's a, there's a shift in the way Chelsea are trying to do things. There's an emphasis on, on the academy. They're trying to bring more young players in with the, the view to having more longevity in the squad. So I think when they were looking to, to buy players this summer, they maybe would have gone for Raheem Sterling, for instance, but they refused to pay £50 million for a player now. You know, if it was around the £30 million mark, they would have been more interested. But, you know, they're not doing what Manchester City are, you know, you know completely content in doing, in, in like, paying over the over the odds of players. I think they were stung with Fernando Torres in um, in 2011, January 2011. I think they learned the lesson. And I think you know now you're not going to see Chelsea spending that type of money. So I think they were certainly looking for players on the market, but those players weren't available. And I think you see the way they stalled over John Stones as well. Is that they know they need to be adding another defender to that team. You know, in terms of one, having more strength in depth, but two, being able to rotate John Terry and, and Gary Cahill throughout the season so they're not playing every single game. And the fact they're, they're hesitant to be spending that money on John Stones that Everton are demanding just shows how you know the club are a bit more coy in what, in what they're trying to do. And I think that's, that's what it comes down to. I don't think it's a case of Mourinho just you know, being, you know, believing in his team too much. It's a case of you know, him not being able to get the players because the club aren't willing to spend the money that they used to. And you know, they're, they're at a stage now where perhaps Arsenal were 10, 15 years ago and they're paying for the Emirates Stadium. And, you know, Arsene Wenger, you know, he's much maligned Arsene Wenger in that sense in terms of not winning a trophy since, you know, the title at least since 2004. But Chelsea, you know, they, they might have to get used to something like that where there's a title every now and then. But, you know, while that stadium's being built and they're paying for it, there, there's going to be cuts elsewhere. And you, you're seeing that at the moment with the first team. Gary, you, you took the words right out of my mouth there because you're 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 in East London. You got Chelsea in West London, and this whole thing just, just is so reminiscent of what happened in North London for about a decade 
with Arsenal in the transition out of Highbury into the Emirates and, and to fund the new stadium the way Wenger and everybody at Arsenal had to balance the books and, and so many people throwing all this unfair criticism at, at Arsene Wenger and, and the weakness of his squad and, and they're so injury prone. It's incredible. It's almost uncanny the similarities between this. Now, mind you, again, we're talking about the defending champions and we're two games into this season. So again, all you Chelsea fans out there, you know, let's, let's not go into full panic mode yet, but I really enjoy the way you kind of break that down and, and let's talk a little bit more about that here in the, uh, in the time we got, uh, before we got to head to another break because it, it seems so similar. Uh, to the situation that, that Arsenal went through in the last decade. Do you, do you see this being a, a prolonged thing? Because at Arsenal, this was like a 10 year process before Wenger and his committee were able to go out and, and really spend money. Could you see something like this happening with Chelsea as they're trying to fund this new stadium? Could this actually be kind of a drawn out thing where the, the Abramovich style of being able to just go out and buy whatever is, is maybe taken a step back for a few years? Uh, I'm not sure Chelsea would be happy for it to go on for a decade, but I think <laughs> it's, certainly, it's, it's, it's certainly a concern where you know, we're two games into a new season. For all we know, Chelsea's going to win 36 games and you know, run away with the title again. But I think that it's too early to suggest that Chelsea aren't going to be spending money over the next decade or however long it is, you know, whatever it takes to finance that new stadium but I think certainly they've been gearing up towards it and I think if you look at the last few transfer windows before Mourinho can buy he's had to sell you know last summer he bought Diego Costa and Cesc Fabregas early but that was because he was able to sell Juan Mata and Kevin De Bruyne in the January before that where Chelsea were playing you know ahead of transfer windows in order to bring players in and then you know even this January just gone before they signed Juan Cuadrado for tw- well, what were they doing signing Juan Cuadrado? But, but you know, besides that, but before they could sign Cuadrado, they had to sell Scherler to Wolfsburg, and then they obviously had um, Salah going out on loan. So I think you see Chelsea; they're they're trying to be, you know, w- with the way they do their transfers, they're trying to be clever with it so that it doesn't impact the team too much. But there's going to come times where they don't get it all their own way. I think you see the way they exploited the, the loan market with with players, you know, in terms of buying young players, you know, on the cheap, putting them out on loan where they get experience. And, you know, sometimes there's the success, like you've seen with uh, Thibaut Courtois, in terms of, you know, he went to Atletico Madrid for three years and he came back and now he's number one goalkeeper at Chelsea. But then the, the other side of it is that they allow players to go out on loan where they get, you know, experience enough that they have a sell-on value. So, you know, you look at Romelu Lukaku and, and De Bruyne, Ch- Chelsea made, you know, profits on them that are ridiculous, you know. I think overall, I think the budget, uh, sorry, the profit on both those players was a combined 30 million. And they had, they made a handful of appearances for Chelsea. So I think you see the way they're trying to work the market is to, you know, have the club run on an even financial keel, but at the same time, you know, they, they've got to fund that stadium. So there's going to be times where there's a blip, you know, there's a blip in, in, in the road where things don't go all their own way. But I think certainly, I don't think you're going to see Chelsea for 10 years not win a title. That, that's for sure. I think with a manager like Mourinho, it, it wouldn't happen. And, I think a brown bridge as well would see it and maybe, you know, one summer put some cash in if it, if it did come to that. But I think, you know, you look at the young players Chelsea got coming through as well and a lot of them, I know it's, it's young potential we're talking about, you know, it's, it's unproven, but I think a lot of them as well are, are looking better than what Arsenal had, you know, 10 years ago. You know, Arsenal had all these young players that were playing in the League Cup and they looked exciting. 
but really out of them, only Seth, only Seth Fabregas was the, you know, the player that came through and you know, made, made a name for himself. Whereas I think Chelsea, they're, they're dominating youth football at the moment. So I think you know, in a couple of years, we're going to see some of those players in the first team. We've already got Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who was on the bench on, on Sunday. And then there's um, Izzy Brown and Dominic Solanke and Lewis Baker, who are on loan at the test at the moment. So I think Chelsea got a lot of eggs in a lot of baskets. And I think it'll take a perfect storm, if you like, for everything to come together at once. But I think they've got enough there that you know, it might not be working from this summer in terms of the transfer market. But I think in, in the long term, they're, they're, they're going to be fine. Well, Gary, I love you talking about the way they, they really maybe exploited the, the loan market and the way they, they took advantage of, of the loan market. And some would, some would label their, their wheel and deal style as sneaky or, or shady and others, and this, I'm in the other camp, would label it genius the way they've done, the way they've done that wheel and deal style of business over the, uh, over the last few years. This is not a, a new thing. This has been for already for a few years going back with Jose and, and Roman Abramovich, even going back, you know, almost a decade to, to when Jose was first shown up. The way Chelsea has done business has been a very sound policy and, and very sound practices that have uh, a whole lot of, whole lot of detailed logic within them. But once you kind of break it down it makes a lot of sense of how they're able to pull off what they're able to pull off all right we got one minute before we got ahead to break gary so let's just say we're laying down a 20 quid bet here you brought up you brought up stones and chelsea obviously need that new defender 20 quid bet yes or no will chelsea land john stones before the transfer window closes at the end of august I think they will. I think a club like Chelsea against Everton, Everton is just, they're saying they don't want him to go very publicly, but they're just trying to hide the price up because a club like Everton, they live on selling players like John Stones. They'll sell John Stones and they'll sign two or three other players, you know, for half the money they sold him for, and then they'll, they'll live off the profits for a while. That's the way Everton work, and that's the way it works for the teams outside of the top five or six in England. So I think the reality is he will go, and it'll probably happen on transfer deadline day, right at midnight. And you'll see that it gets announced, but I think it's a case of you know, Chelsea are flirting with Everton, Everton are flirting with Chelsea, and they'll just find some common ground before the transfer window closes. It's a whole lot of flirting, I tell you what. And if, if Everton need a little inspiration, I'm sure they've found some already from their red neighbors right across Stanley Park. Because you look at what Liverpool did with the whole Raheem Sterling saga. If if Everton want to maybe take a little uh, little tip from Liverpool right there, just keep milking it, keep milking it, keep saying you're not going to sell, and then you're going to sell for top dollar at the last moment. We will talk more about Chelsea Football Club on the other side of this break with Gary Hayes. World Soccer Talk Radio, stay tuned. Not all waters are created equal. Alchemy Water has been specially treated with a patented system to create a premium alkaline water that tastes great and offers more benefits than natural water. Alchemy is ionized and microclustered for antioxidant protection while neutralizing free radicals. Plus, it's fluoride-free and eco-friendly. All of these things add up to the ultimate health and wellness premium water. Available at select retailers and online through Amazon at alchemywater.com. That's A-L-K-A-M-E Water. We all know health care has changed drastically. It's quite the puzzle to sort through your options and find a health insurance plan that's affordable and maximizes your benefits. 
and you are now required by law to have health insurance or you may pay a tax penalty. So let the Health Markets Insurance Agency help you. They offer plans from over 120 different companies and can even help you obtain government subsidies. Let them do all the research for you and show you how affordable health insurance can be, a service that's at no extra cost to you. Call now and learn your options to find affordable health insurance. 800 614 are you struggling with addiction or alcohol problems? If you're depressed, drinking, and using drugs, you may need help. And your insurance may offer coverage. I knew I could get myself out of this. I just needed some hope and some help. I took the first step to recovery when I made the call. Call the Addiction Hope and Helpline now for a free assessment with someone who cares. Call 800-521-3214. 800 521 I feel like I'm losing control. I'm afraid I'll lose my job or even my family. Call now for hope and help with proven gentle recovery programs. I never thought that I could be somebody who didn't drink and use drugs. I'm in recovery, getting the help I need. Call the Addiction Hope and Helpline now for a free assessment with someone who cares. Call 800-521-3214. 800-521-3214. No student's ever been king of the classroom on day one. But with the right gear from Office Depot Office Max, like a new Jamsport backpack, a Dell 2-in-1 laptop, and stellar notebooks, your kid will be walking with varsity-level swagger. That's that new gear feeling. Shop with our experts to get great savings on a wide selection of school gear. And right now, Office Depot brand notebooks, just one cent each. Office Depot Office Max. Gear up for school. Gear up for great. Limit three in-store only while supplies last ends 822. Nate Abarea back here with you on World Soccer Talk Radio. Who really saw Manchester City start to the season coming? Two 3-0 victories. The the Man City steamroller, they're calling it over at worldsoccertalk.com. Well, it will continue. We'll see if it continues rolling the way it has in their opening two matches against West Brom and Chelsea. When they face Everton on Merseyside at Goodison Park, this Sunday, World Soccer Talk Radio listeners, I would like to invite you to join the gaffer himself, Christopher Harris, and Man City expert, Kartik Krishnire, as they'll be sharing their thoughts and opinions during the Everton City match live on Rabble.tv. With Rabble, the concept is simple. Tune into the TV broadcast, press the mute button, then head on over to Rabble.tv to listen to Chris and Kartik sharing their analysis. With Rabble, you can listen to the broadcast on your desktop, iOS app and now through your mobile browser and join in by posting your questions or observations in the comment section. One of the funnest components of these rabble casts. Get on in the comments, interact with the broadcasters as they are calling the game or call one of your team's games. Create your own broadcast, whether it's Premier League, Champions League, Bundesliga, MLS. You want to do a baseball game. You want to call a boxing match, a UFC fight. You can do anything on on Rabble. It is fantastic and it's easy and it's free. 
Get on it, rabble.tv. And join Chris and Cardick, our boys from World Soccer Talk, on Rabble this Sunday from 10.45 a.m. Eastern Time. Rabble.tv, where it's your team and your call. We're here with Gary Hayes, the Chelsea correspondent for the Bleacher Report. He's also a experienced rabble caster himself. It was not a uh, not not too good of a one for for a, a Chelsea supporter. It was the three nil for Manchester City this past Sunday. But you enjoy yourself uh, on on that rabble cast, Gary? Yeah, it was good fun. It was, it was a shame about the result, but it, it was good fun. Like speaking with the people all, from all over the world, and you know, just just getting involved really, and. Uh, a lot of the time, you know, watching games and, you know, covering them for Bleacher Report, it's more Twitter-based where you're speaking to people, but obviously, you know, sometimes your notifications can go through the roof, so it was good, you know, speaking to people and getting the questions and, uh, yeah, just just talking about the game and airing the frustrations of a, of a bad Chelsea performance. <laughs> Well, again, that is one of the finest components of those Rabblecasts, the comment section. We were talking about that off air a few minutes ago. Get involved with that thing and, again, join uh, Chris and Cardick on Sunday for Everton and Manchester City. All right, we, we said we're going to talk about it, and I know you got to be getting at the end of your wits uh, with this conversation, so so forgive me for pushing it on just a little bit more, but we got to talk about the, the Eva Carnero situation. we got to talk talk about the the medical staff debacle at Chelsea. Uh, when is this thing going to end? Cuz I'm I'm still hearing about it. It's still all over the back pages in the UK. It's on all sorts of soccer websites around the world. When is this situation finally going to, you know, blow over and and be done with? And does Jose Mourinho need to shoulder some blame here and and does he maybe owe anybody an apology? I mean, what do you make of all this? Well, I think um, just just to answer the first part of the question, when will it ever end? I think it will end when you know John Fern and Eva are back on the bench, and uh, you know then it will all blow over from there. But I think it's um, it's been blown out of proportion, and um, without wanting to play it down too much, I think it's because you know obviously Eva Canero being a female uh, physio, there's not many of them on the circuit, so she's got a heightened uh, profile, whether the club likes it or whether she likes it. You know, people pay more attention because you know she, she's a woman working in a predominantly male sport, and I think that's where it's all come from. I think you know just looking at the the reports around it, you know, last week everyone was they, they forgot John Fern even existed. You know, so I think that, that I think that was the issue from the media's perspective is that it, rather than it becoming a medical issue, I think it became a you know gender issue, and I think that's where the media went wrong with it. Um, I think you know we saw when Pep Guardiola fell out of his doctor at Bayern Munich, it was. It was news because it was Pep Guardiola and it's Bayern Munich, but it blew over within a day or so because, you know, where's the story? There is no story. It's just a, you know, like a player getting dropped. It gets discussed and it gets dropped and moved on. But because it's Jose, because it's Chelsea and because it was a, a female member of staff and obviously her Facebook post didn't help it, it just got blown out of all proportion, really. And um, I think, you know, Jose didn't help this situation with the way he reacted. You know, I, I was in the press conference after the Swansea game. It, it was mentioned, but then... You know, crossed over and no one really picked up on it too much until the Facebook comment. But, you know, I think it's just the medical staff and, and you know, Mourinho need to have a bit more communication, don't they? I think, you know, if he, if he wants them to behave in a certain way, then I think that needs to be communicated before games and, you know, ahead of the season so there's a policy in place. But I think um, it's not going to happen again, certainly. And I think it'll blow over when, um, when Eva and John Turner are back on the bench. When are Eva and John going to get back on the bench? Uh, in and this is purely an opinion-based question, but when do you think they're going to return? 
Um, I'm really not sure. It's, it's all down to Mourinho, isn't it? And I think Mourinho's a guy who, he, when he's wrong, he, he might admit it through gritted teeth. Whereas I think he knows he's wrong in this situation because the way he behaved around it and you know, you know, trying to be the, the doctor and the manager all in one, he made a big mistake there. I think on Friday he handled it pretty well in, in his press conference the way he dealt with it. Um, although when the when the cameras went down and it became a, a paper briefing and the broadcasters had left, a few journalists tried to keep probing him on it and he, he got up and threatened to walk out and the, the press officer had to stop him. You know, and um, so he, it's... It's just Jose, isn't it? And he, he's gonna, it's going to stop when he wants it to stop, and he wants to make a statement still. And, that, and that's the concern. How, how long is he going to let it go on for? Obviously, the club are going to advise him, but people at the club are wary of him as well in terms of knowing they can't push him too much because they're going to make it worse. So I think you know, maybe not this weekend they won't be on there, but I think in good time they will be. He left the door open to him, didn't he, on Friday, where he said um, there's a chance they will be back. And I think it's a case of he'll just let it run for as long as he's happy to, and then he'll just you know, call them back in there. Is there a level of, of perce- in, in his own mind, do you think there's a level of, of perceived invincibility uh, with, with Jose Mourinho where he feels he can just get away with, with anything that he wants to and, and not ever admit any wrongdoing? Do you pick up on any of that, any sort of you know, perceived invincibility within Jose? Yeah, I think so. I think, and uh, it's not actually a bad thing as well, I don't think, you know, it doesn't make him necessarily the most pleasant person, but to be a football manager, you know, the level that he's at and to be as successful as he has been in the last, you know, 10 to 15 years, you know, going back to when he was at Porto before he was even at Chelsea, they need that streak. You know, these guys, they need to be the, the ultra-confident, you know, they're number one at the club. Everyone must, you know, dance to their tune because if they don't, you know, then people are going to, you know, there's going to be players, you know, revolting against them. You know, I think he's, that's why people talk about him as being this Machiavellian character, don't they? He, he, he lives on a, he thrives on a culture of fear almost. And I think all the great managers have though. I think, you know, just in recent times, you look at Sir Alex Ferguson. He ruled Manchester United, you know, one of the biggest clubs in the world. And that club was run by Alex, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson. And I think, you know, just, just staying in English football, you look at the likes of Brian Clough. He was another, another manager who, he might have had that perceived invincibility, but it was, it was almost like a belief in his own ability. And, you know, it was a case of, it's, you know, it's the famous quote from Brian Clough, isn't it, where he says, um, when a player doesn't agree with my opinion, we sit down and we agree that I'm right. You know, and it's the same <laughs> with Mourinho. That, you know, players can have opinions, the media can have opinions, but ultimately he's always going to be right. And I think that's why, you know, going back to this is that, it will end when he says it ends. And, you know, whether that's this weekend or not, you know, remains to be seen. But, you know, I think to be a manager at a club like Chelsea, Real Madrid, like he was before, and Inter Milan and you know, Porto and, and elsewhere, the manager needs to be of that character because if they're not, it's a sign of weakness that they're not, and then people will run away with it. Well, Gary, I've, I've said a number of times on this show and, and talked with so many uh, friends and colleagues about this that Brian Clough, in so many ways, was Jose Mourinho 30 years before Jose Mourinho. And I can't help but wonder what Brian Clough would have been like in the social media generation. We raised that question the other day uh, when, when we had Mike Calvin on the show, just wrote that great new book on uh, how to survive as a football manager living on the volcano. And we, we kind of raised that question. How would Brian Clough, how would a manager like Brian Clough act how would he you know present himself and handle himself in this 
day and age with everything that social media and, and television and all sorts of other coverage has brought uh, not only to the Premier League but to football as a whole around the world. That is a very, very interesting conversation that we will have to save for another program because in the five minutes that we have left here with you, Gary, I want to know how you became a Chelsea supporter. Tell us your first memories of Chelsea Football Club, sir. Yeah, well, um, Chelsea's in the blood. Um, just my family all from from London, and um, yeah, it's just uh, we're not a family of um, divisions, which is something I can't understand when I speak to people. You know, someone's a Spurs fan and someone's an Arsenal fan. I can't understand it because you know, growing up, it was, it was a big family as well, and we were all Chelsea fans and aunts, uncles, and cousins. Everyone was Chelsea fans, so you know, it's a real a family thing, and um, yeah. We just would all go to games together, and uh, you know, this is going back in you know in the times when Chelsea were a bit of a yo-yo team, you know, to and fro in between what's the Premier League now and and the Championship, which was just the old Division One, Division Two. So just going to watch um, yeah Chelsea matches, standing on the shed. We used to stand by the um, on the corner flag right next to the West Stand, which we used to call the benches because literally the seats were benches. But um, we sit there, and it was just all all of our family together. Um, not my earliest memories, funnily enough, um, as you're a Liverpool fan, um, was one of my first games. It was Chelsea had just been beaten 7-0 by Nottingham Forest the week before. And we were all going to watch Chelsea-Liverpool the week, you know, the weekend later. Graeme Seamus was manager of Liverpool at the time. We're thinking, oh, you know, God, we've got Liverpool here. This is in the height of the Liverpool. You know, this is before they went 25 years without a trophy and um, you know, without a league title. So we were thinking we were turning up to watch Chelsea get annihilated. But in the end, Chelsea won the game 4-2. They went 2-0 up, and then um, David Steedy, who was a former Chelsea player at Liverpool at the time, he scored twice. And then uh, Kerry Dixon and Kevin Wilson scored the goals to, to make it 4-2 to Chelsea. So that was a great memory. That was in 1991, that was. So going back, uh, way back now. But, um, yeah, it, it was a great time going to watch football back then as well because everyone was standing and, you know... Um, it, there was a bit more of a, an atmosphere in stadiums, whereas I think now, because it's all seater... You know, fans can't really get together as they would back then. And you know, I think it's lost a little bit of the character out of the game because I just remember you know, we'd go to games and um, there was always this old old man and his daughter that were, were stood near us and, and he was blind. And his daughter would be giving him a running commentary. Oh. And she'd say, oh, Dad, that was an appalling foul there, but he wasn't given. So he'd start you know, shouting all sorts to the referee about what the referee was and what the referee couldn't see. And obviously he didn't even know what was going on at all. And, or in his daughter's word, but um, it's just those little characters that I think have, have gone from the game now, especially now that you know it's so expensive to go to games and everything else, so it's become more of a middle-class you know, spectator sport, so I think those characters have been lost, but um, yeah, that, that's my Chelsea story, if you like, just from, from when I was watching them when I was, when I was a nipper. The daughter at Stamford Bridge giving the play-by-play to her blind father. That is one of the most beautiful stories that I have heard in the yeah. five months of doing this show. That is absolutely fantastic. And hey, in, in one minute, one minute or less here, what would you say to this new generation of Chelsea supporters? And, and you hear that term, fair weather, bandwagon, jumping, glory hunter. It's not just in America. Chelsea has grown so popular in London. There's all sorts of new Chelsea fans in London, in America, in all, all sorts of the, uh, parts of the world. What would you say to them when, when you're a man who was there watching Chelsea as a yo-yo club not that long ago? What would you have to say to, to the new generation of Chelsea fans, Gary? 
just be very grateful for what you got. Because I remember a good season at Chelsea used to be if we could, to quote more of a British term, if we could turn over United, if we could turn over Liverpool, if we could turn over Arsenal, that was a good season. Mid-table, turn over some of the big teams and everyone was happy. Whereas now it's a case of Chelsea have got to win every game, they've got to win every trophy. And of course, you know, it, that's, that's part of the course that comes to the territory when you've got you know, players worth 30 million in your team that are earning £250,000 a week. Of course, you know, that's, that's the, the expectation now. That they, they, they've got to do that. But I think there's a certain generation of fans, without sounding too um, nostalgic, that you know, appreciate all the more for what we're seeing. And you know, it, it makes me laugh sometimes when I get a bit of, um, I guess, this banter from fans who say, I don't understand what it means to, because when I'm writing about Chelsea, I do it purely from a neutral perspective. You know, there's, there's the fan in me isn't actually writing the articles and, and, and what, what have you. So, you know, I get, I get abuse sometimes saying I don't, I don't understand what it means to be a Chelsea fan. I think um, <laughs> if those people actually knew, you know, I remember standing there in the rain in 1996, Chelsea, funnily enough, at the Club Bruges playing tonight against Manchester United and Chelsea in the rain on the shed end when um, it was a temporary stand as they were redeveloping it. And uh, Paul Furlong scored the last-minute winner to win a game in the uh, the Cup Winners' Cup. The old the old Cup Winners' Cup. If you and you're shouting out Chelsea in the Cup Winners' Cup, that's 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 true true street cred right there. Back back during the the the, the Viali era during the uh, Cup Winners' Cup, you gotta love it. Gary Hayes, you're welcome back anytime on the show. Thank you so much for your time and uh, best of luck here as the uh, Premier League season moves forward, sir. Thanks, always a pleasure. Again, that was Gary Hayes, lead Chelsea correspondent for Bleacher Report. Back after this to close this thing out. Talking a little grassroots American soccer. Taking the express train home right here on World Soccer Talk Radio. Stay tuned. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. Call 877-499-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. So cancel the cable and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 877-499-MY-TV. Right now, to sign up for packages starting as low as $24.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional Professional installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows. Pause and rewind live TV. Even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $24.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 877-499-MY-TV. That's 877-499-MY-TV. Cancel the cable. Cut costs and get more. Call now. 877-499-MY-TV. That's 877-499-MY-TV. Do you know which investment has tripled in price since the debt crisis and risen an average 20% a year for 11 years? It's not stocks, not bonds, it's silver. And right now, we at Lear Capital believe silver is poised to hit new record highs. And we're making it easier to own than ever. For a limited time, new customers with $5,000 or more to invest in gold or silver can get up to 10 certified Morgan Silver Dollars absolutely free. That's right, up to 10 100-year-old Morgan Silver Dollars when you invest $5,000 or more, a $600 value free. This offer is available for IRA accounts as well. Call right now, 800-631-9229. 
Call Lear Capital now, 800-631-9229. Are you an inventor who would like to try to have an invention or idea patented and submitted to companies? But you don't know what to do next. Call for free information from InventHelp. InventHelp, a leading inventor service company, has been helping inventors since 1984 and has sales offices located in more than 60 cities nationwide. You'll want to talk to the company that has helped secure more than 7,000 invention patents. So call InventHelp. Even if you have an idea for improving an existing product and don't know where to go with it, you'll still want to call InventHelp for free information. You'll find out how InventHelp may assist you in trying to patent your invention and submit it to companies. So call now. Call InventHelp at 1-800-316-1738. That's 1-800-316-1738. Get your free information by dialing 1-800-316-1738. That's 1-800-316-1738. Back with you here on World Soccer Talk Radio. Another tip of my cap to Gary Hazley, Chelsea correspondent for the Bleacher Report. Cheers to Gianluca Vialli, one of the greatest player managers in the history of English football or football all around the world. I'll even give a tip of my cap to Memphis Depay. What a performance under the lights at Old Trafford for Memphis. Would you believe it? Jimmy Conrad is going to be with us tomorrow. MLS U.S. soccer favorite. One of my favorites of all time. Jimmy Conrad going to be with us. Jimmy, you know his work with Kick TV as well. Tip of my cap to end this show to the northern guard of Detroit City FC, the Chattahooligans in Chattanooga, Flight 19 in Fort Lauderdale, the Green Army in Fargo, North Dakota, the Sons of Ransom of Lansing United, and the supporters of San Francisco City. Get involved with this grassroots project. Stay tuned. It's going to be fun. Nate Abarea signing off. World Talk Talk Radio. Cheers. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough, Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.